Corpus delicti is a Latin term that means the body of a crime. It's the proof that a crime has been committed, which is necessary before finding out who committed the crime. And crimes certainly don't all look alike. Corpus Delicti is also a true crime podcast that takes a serious approach into various ways crimes are committed. Cruise ship deaths, historical crimes, and women who kill are just a few of the themes we have covered cases on. We even dive deep into the case of a likely innocent man on death row in our home state of Alabama. We have more than 200 episodes, so there's plenty to binge. Join us every week, wherever you get your podcasts, as we dive into a new case within our current series. That's C-O-R-P-U-S-D-E-L-I-C-T-I. Hope to see you soon. You're listening to The Murder in My Family, brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network, including Missing Persons, DNA ID, Scene of the Crime, Zodiac Speaking, Beyond Bizarre True Crime, Citizen Detective, and Campus Killings. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the podcast, its host, or sponsors. If you would like to discuss the murder in your family on this podcast, please be sure to visit themurderinmyfamily.com for more information. You can support this podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the murder in my family. This episode may contain unsettling material or subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Murder of My Family. I'm your host, Mike Morford. In this episode, we'll be discussing the case of a beloved 74-year-old woman who was gunned down while sitting in her car while on the phone with her daughter. Despite an arrest soon after the murder, the suspect was set free, and the victim's family still doesn't fully understand why, and they're still seeking justice and answers. We'll dive into this case after some quick housekeeping. Independent podcasts like this one depend on word of mouth to bring in new listeners. So if you find that you enjoy this show, please take a minute to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to introduce a friend to the show and invite them to listen. With your help, The Murder of My Family can continue to grow and reach a new audience. To learn more about the show or the cases we discuss, please visit themurderofmyfamily.com. You can also find us on Twitter with the handle at murderofmyfam or by searching for the Murder of My Family podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support this show through a Patreon donation, it's always appreciated, and you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash the Murder of My Family. Benefits of supporting the show on Patreon include early access to ad-free episodes of the show, plus bonus content not heard in regular episodes. Support may also include thank you cards, stickers, and more. If you prefer to, You can also support the show through a PayPal donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash the murder of my family. In each episode, I'll give shout outs to any new supporters. And thank you to all the supporters that generously donate to help keep the show growing and improving. One last note. 
please consider supporting any of the sponsors that you hear on the Murder My Family, the way that those sponsors support the show. It's with our sponsor support that the show can go on and continue to provide a platform to share these stories with you in every episode. Thank you, and now on with the show. Mary Jessie May Pearson was born December 18, 1946, to Robert and Martha Pearson in New Jersey. The family later moved to Ohio, and Mary met and married her husband, Raymond Hare, in June 1970, and they were together until Raymond passed away in 2017. Mary and Raymond had two children together, and Mary also had a child from a previous relationship. One of Mary's children, Pamela, is my guest in this episode. Mary wound up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, where she lived for several years. According to Pamela, Mary was a Christian woman and was a member of the Salvation Army Church since she was born. She worked at the local Air Force commissary for years. Mary and Pamela were a very close mother-daughter duo, often talking together for hours until they fell asleep on adjoining couches. They saw each other pretty much every day. Mary was described as the rock of the family, or the glue that kept everything together. To her kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids, she was the best mother and grandmother and great-grandmother anyone could ask for. Now that she's gone, she's missed very much, and the family's been searching for justice ever since she was taken away from them. On February 27, 2021, 74-year-old Mary Hare set off to pick up her great-grandson Zayden's cell phone. He had left it behind at a sleepover the night before, and Mary, the ever-doating grandma, was right to the rescue. Mary was sitting in her car in the parking lot of the Pinecrest apartment complex at the end of a sleepy cul-de-sac in North Charleston, South Carolina, waiting to fetch the cell phone. It was a Saturday afternoon at about 1.40 p.m. There were children outside playing and people coming and going from the apartment complex located at 2050 Pinefield Court. Mary was on the phone with her daughter Pamela as she waited. Suddenly, Pamela heard a series of loud noises, and she heard Mary moan in a strained voice, Oh my God, oh my God. Pamela called out to Mary several times. She was panicked that her mom had somehow crashed her car, and perhaps the seatbelt had gotten stuck around her neck, because it sounded almost like she was choking. But then Mary stopped responding or making any noise altogether. Pamela knew something was wrong, but she had no idea that her mother had just been shot. At 1.47 p.m., paramedics responded to the scene, but it was too late to save Mary. She was slumped over in her car, dead from a fatal bullet wound. Whoever shot Mary approached her from the driver's side of her car. She was shot in the left shoulder and in the left side of her head. Despite it being such a nice clear day for Saturday afternoon and people moving around the area, most people when questioned by police said they didn't see anything. Perhaps they were afraid to talk. For Mary's daughter, Pamela, it was hard to process what had happened. She had heard her beloved mom being killed on the phone, and now the glue that held her family together, her mom, was gone. One witness to Mary's murder did come forward with possible information. They heard gunshots and looked outside, and they saw a man chasing after Mary's car, shooting at her multiple times. During a photo lineup, the witness picked 41-year-old Zaswan Rosendary and ID'd him as the man that they had saw shooting at Mary. Rosendary was arrested and charged with murder, as well as possession of a firearm during the commission of a violent crime on March 5th, less than two weeks after Mary was killed. But incredibly, the charges were dropped just over one month later, based on some sort of new evidence that has never been disclosed to the public. And just two months after Mary's murder, investigators and Mary's family were back to square one, and they weren't getting much help from the public. Almost six months after Mary was murdered, 
Police Lieutenant Fred Hoos held a press conference at the Pinecrest apartment complex where Mary was killed, and he said her life ended right where we're standing. There were multiple people out here when this occurred, and we know the person with the vital information is probably listening to me right now and can probably see us. Police have remained tight-lipped about suspects and motives, refusing to release information about whether this could have been a targeted murder as opposed to a random crime of opportunity. The loving grandmother, who only made the mistake of doing her beloved daughter and grandson a favor by just going to pick up a cell phone, was now gone because someone decided to run up to her car and take her life. And what's frightening is, this could happen to anyone at any time. It was so random and tragic. Investigators have publicly stated that they know they're just missing one crucial piece of information that will lead to Mary's killer being brought to justice. Until that day comes, her family is waiting and desperate for answers to the questions Who did this and why? Mary's daughter-in-law, Latasha, told ABC News 4, If we stop fighting for her, then it was for nothing, and we're not going to let that happen. If you have information about the murder of Mary Hare, authorities stress that you can come forward and remain completely anonymous and still help bring justice to Mary's family. You can call Crime Stoppers at 843-554-554. 1111 or submit a tip on their website at 554-1111.com. I sat down with Mary's daughter Pamela to discuss her mom's tragic and senseless murder and her family's efforts to see justice done. That conversation is coming up in just a moment. Hi, Pamela, and thank you for coming on the Murder of My Family to discuss your mom, Mary's case with us. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm happy to have you here. I obviously wish this was under different circumstances. Uh, what happened to your mom has to be difficult for you because uh, in, addition, in addition to losing your mom, uh, you were on the phone with her when she was attacked and, and shot. That has to be right. something that's replayed over and over in your mind before we get into that tragic day and what happened to your mom, can you tell us a little bit about her and help listeners get to know who she was, maybe share some of your, your memories of her? Yes, sir. Um, she was great mother, um, church-going woman. She, she'd do anything for anybody. She's, um, like I said, church-going, always helping us out. And that was what got her caught up, helping us out, like always, doing something that we asked her to do. So she basically was, and and if I've read everything correctly, she was going over there to pick up her grandson and uh, just happened to be in in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, her great-grandson. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. It sounds like your your mom was sort of a a matriarch, you know, mom, grandmother, Mm -hmm. aunt. um, And I I think that in the South, especially family is really important. And when someone like Mary isn't there to, to be that right. glue that holds the family together, that really affects everyone. How has losing her affected your family? Oh, it was like we had to grow up. I mean, yeah, I'm 51 years old, but she still was mom. Like, she did everything for us still. So it's like me and my brother and my sister, we just had to grow up all of a sudden. Because we're used to having her there helping us. Yeah, so even though you're adults, she right. still had that we guidance. And, sure. Right. She she was always there for you. Um, And let's go back to that day, if we can, February 27th, 2021. 
Your mom yep. was at, at the Pinecrest Apartments at Pinefield Court. Yeah. This is in North Charleston. Yeah. Walk us through what happened and why your mom was there and how things sort of unfolded, well, you know, that day. Well, my grandson had left his phone at his friend's house, which is right around the corner from her house. So I called her because I was off at Lowe's or somewhere doing something. And I said, Mom, do you have a minute where you can go grab, you know, Zayden's cell phone? She said, oh, no problem. So I directed her over there. You know, I'm always on the phone with her anyway. So I directed her over there. So she's like, well, they're not coming outside. So I told her what a door was. So the next thing I heard was, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I heard her sound fear. I've never heard fear in my mom's voice. 51 years, I've never heard fear. And then I heard like a choking noise. And I heard three bangs. But what I thought was, you know, she's older. So I thought maybe she got out the car and the seatbelt got stuck around her. And maybe she didn't put the car car in the park. And was hitting cars. That's what I thought. I never imagined gunshots was going off. So then I heard him call the lady. I said, can you go check on my mom? Something bad just happened. And then at that time, I heard her little boy that had my grandson's cell phone running the house that she's bleeding. She's bleeding. So that's when I called my brother, which lived around the corner because he lived next door to my mom. I called him to run over there. So he runs over to him and my sister-in-law. I'm on the phone with them the whole time. And next thing I heard, my sister-in-law left the phone in the car and I could hear her screaming down the street. So then I went into panic mode getting to where she was. So, so this was the sort of chaos, it sounds like, just everything happening all at once. Right, right. Well, I kept screaming her name while I was on the phone after I heard the bang, bang. I kept saying, Mama, Mama. I wasn't getting no response. So I knew something happened. That's when I called the lady. That he, she was he was she was getting the phone from. Oh. Now, when so you, it was a robbery, attempted robbery. They didn't get anything from her, but her gold necklace off her neck. Okay, so they they actually entered the car, went into the car, and stole that from her. Well, no, they went to the window and pulled it off her neck. Okay, so it, it, she, she's there, sitting there, minding her own business, and somebody comes up and, and robs her uh, out of the blue. <laughs> Did do you yeah. know? Do you think they shot her because she didn't cooperate or maybe she recognized him? Why do you think the reason I was think, they shot her? I think they shot her because she tried to drive off. My mom always has her window down with her arm hanging out it. And the window was halfway up. She never has her air conditioner on unless I'm in the car. So when we got there, her car was pulled. It was like a little corner sack. And, you know, there's no way out if you don't park the correct way. So. She took off straight after she was shot, parked the car perfectly between two cars. Her air conditioner was on high and her window was halfway up. So it seems like this person just saw her there, saw that they could rob her really quickly right. and and something went wrong uh, as far as right. her maybe trying to drive away. It, it, this, this area where that crime happened, had anything like this ever happened there before? What's the area oh, yeah. like as far yeah. as crime? Yeah. That's why I feel bad because I asked her to go there. But, you know, it's five minutes from our house. So we do live in a high-risk community. Um, so there is crimes that do happen there. Um, people have been killed there. Right after her, there were two more murderers of young kids. Um, so there's a lot of guilt on me. But we just, you know, you always think it's going to happen to me. It's going to be me. Yeah. 
it's it's usually someone else that you hear about on the news, but then all of a sudden it's it's your family, it's your mom. Right. We live in a high crime area anyway, but we just never had an issue in 30 years of living there. Yeah. And so when you heard her say, oh, my God, oh, my God, was there anything else she said after that? Were you have able to have any kind no. of conversation with her or she no. just didn't say anything else? Nothing else. Wow. That's got to be awful. And that I imagine you just hear that sound playing over, over and over. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it's sort of chaos. Everyone's scrambling to get there. You're trying to figure out what's going on. What did you find when you finally got there and, and, and found her at the scene? My sister-in-law got on the phone and told me she was shot. My brother, he just fell to his knees, she said. Um, so then I called my kids up and I told them grandma's been shot and everybody just flew over to Pinecrest. And by the time everyone got there and got together and found out what was going on, had she passed already? Yeah, she passed at the scene before we got there. So that had to be really devastating to get there and everyone's arriving there and and to find out that she had passed. Right. So what happened as far as, you know, I imagine EMTs were called and police and everyone gets there to the scene. What? were people talking about what did the police think happened? Did they have any clues? What were their initial thoughts on the case? Um, attempt a robbery. Of course, that's what they thought. Um, we was there for like two hours on the crime scene. We waited until they took her off. Um, there was some boys across the street that kept videotaping or whatever, which is normal. Um, but then, after everything was over, the one boy was still videotaping. So my daughter said, can you please let us mourn right now and grief a little bit and stop recording. So they got into a big fight, almost a fist fight, and the cops had to come break it up. Come to find out the person that shot my mother ran into his apartment. But first they arrested this guy for murder, but he didn't have nothing to do with it. it but he won't speak. So there was a big chaos right there, fight breaking out and everything. So this is, you're you're trying to deal with finding out your mom's been killed, trying to cope with that. And and meanwhile, you've got almost a fight breaking out afterwards. Right, right. So everyone's on on edge and upset and and grieving and stuff. And you've got this going on. Um, I I, want to talk a little bit about, you know, you've, here you are out of the blue you don't expect this it's not like your mom was sick not like you were expecting her this just suddenly happened now you've got to make plans and and for final you know funeral memorial whatever it is you're going to do i I mean how were you sort of numb what what goes through your mind when you're experiencing this i was very numb um with the funeral and all that my mom was the one that was on top of everything after my dad passed, he paid for all her stuff. Most of it was paid off. Um, but I was numb. I don't even remember who was at the wake. I don't remember who was at the funeral. So I just don't, half the people I don't remember being there that was there. Sort of like a blur. Yeah, 
I can't remember. Like, they'll be like, I was there. I'm like, okay. You know, cause I didn't talk to anybody. We had family in town. I didn't, I know I didn't talk to anybody. I can't remember half the people that was there. And do you, th- would you say that you were in shock? Yeah, very much. Yeah. How, and how about the rest of your family? How is everyone else handling things? My brother, not so good. My sister, not so good. Because mm. it was senseless. There was no reason for her to kill her. If you rob her, you robbed her. Let her go. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're dealing with this. You're trying to get through this, trying to, you know, move on and, and you know, put this tragedy uh not so much behind you because i don't know that it would ever really be behind you but you're trying to take the next step here wait and and i imagine you're waiting for someone to be arrested and and correct we did talk about it briefly you mentioned there was a man arrested just days after your mom was killed this man zaswan rosendry um he was charged with your mom's murder and possession of a firearm when you found that he was arrested were you happy to get that news, yes. and, and did you feel Relief, relief? Yes. Okay. Yes, very much. So you felt... And then three months later, they called us and let us know they released him because he was not the trigger man. All right, so you you get this, this feeling of justice, maybe. There's an arrest. There's going to be... Right. Someone's going to pay for this. And then three months later, this guy is back out on the street. Right. What were the, what was the full reasoning and stuff that they um, – why would they arrest him in the first place and charge him with these things only to turn around and drop those charges? Do you, what was exactly. the explanation? I'm really getting no answers. I call up there, and every time I call up there, it's the same thing. We're waiting on DNA. We're waiting on phone results or whatever. Okay, it's been over a year, and y'all don't have phone records, so I'm not getting nowhere. And I go call all the time. We'll call you when something changes. When we get an update, we'll call you. Be the first person we call. Nothing. It seems like if you initially arrest this person for murder and and possession of a gun, you have good reason to do that. But then the turnaround and release him and drop those charges just seems kind of uh, puzzling. Exactly. At least he should still be arrested for accessory of the fact because they said the person ran into his house. Yeah, or if he's got a, an illegal gun or something like that, then you know that sounds like that would be right. enough to keep him in, in custody. Well, they didn't find no, they didn't find no weapons. We uh, kept okay. telling them. Well, the guys that were in that area, they kept walking over to a grill at a neighbor's house. So we told the cops, "We bet you they got the gun right inside that grill." But nobody would go look. Nobody would help. Mm. And so, what is the thinking? What is your thinking anyway? Your, your opinion? that you think this man knows who actually did it and is protecting Definitely. them? Definitely. What, and what would you say leads you to, to that conclusion? Um, cause it was all right outside his apartment and it was one forty PM on a Saturday, nice day outside. Everybody was outside. Somebody seen something. So this is who the police came up with. And they do say that they do believe he knows something about it. So I don't understand why they can't hold him with accessory after the fact or something about knowing about it or something. There has to be a reason they locked him up. Now, has he been cooperative at all? No. He's got a lawyer. Okay. And is this someone that you knew or anyone in your family no. knows? No. Okay. He's just no. a, a resident there at the... Uh the apartments. 
Do right. you know if he had any kind of criminal record? Yeah, he does have a criminal record. Okay. Drugs, drugs and stuff. And you think that he was associated probably with the person that actually shot your mom? Right. It's got to be frustrating to know that he might have some answers but isn't talking. It is. And if we go in that area, I mean, we've seen him one time. You know, my kids, they want to do something, you know. I'm like, y'all can't do anything to this boy. Yeah. Because the last thing you want is another tragedy where they're right. going to jail for doing something. Right. Yeah. And you've got a whole nother. And, that, and I, I, I didn't know your mom, but it's, I, I'm imagining that she wouldn't want that to happen. She wouldn't want them exactly. getting in trouble. No, she wouldn't. Yeah. So you you have this initial sense of relief when there's an arrest only to see him, the charges dropped against him, and now whoever killed your mom is out there walking free. How does that make you feel? Um, makes me sick to my stomach. It's like we're not getting no justice. Um, they can do it to somebody else, somebody else's mother, somebody else's child because they have no care for life. Because this lady didn't bother nobody. If they asked her for anything, she would have gave him her a car and walked home. So it's it's really senseless that they that they did this, that they shot her for no reason. Right. You know, I'm I'm curious too where the you mentioned that the the police aren't really answering questions, it's taking a long time to get them information to you. Where does the case stand now, a year and a half later? Same. Nothing. And Nothing at all. Do you, you know, a lot of times we hear, um, you know, people will start talking, there'll be rumors, there'll be things like that. I heard so-and-so did this. Has there been any yeah. of that? There was at the beginning. But that, nothing led into anything. And do you think people are maybe afraid to come forward that might have information that could solve the case? Yes. And and do you think that's yes. you think that's because they're you know they know what happened to your mom that they talk that something like that might happen to them? Right, because at first they did have a witness. But the witness fell out. Didn't want to speak no more. And you think it's probably because they were afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be a, a scary position, even if they want to help, you know, knowing what they did to your mom, that they might be, you know, afraid that the same thing could happen to them. Right. Yeah. Is there any way someone could provide anonymous information? Is there any kind of like anonymous yes, they did tip have, line? Yep. They had Crime Stopper, $1,000 reward. Despite that, that anonymous way to come through and get a reward in a process, no one has provided any information that's led to the case being solved. Right. Wow. And it, it's got to be a real, real tough situation for you to be in just that the rug pulled out from under you to where there was an arrest to now there's there's no one being held accountable. Right. I just want to face somebody so bad. I mean, it's, I want to see who would do this, who is just evil. Yeah, you want to get and just... I really don't hurt anybody else. Well, that's the thing, because if they could, you know, do this to your mom so easily, who knows what else they could do to someone else? Exactly. Yeah. And are you you're looking forward to facing that person in court one day and, and having that next chapter where you figure out what happens to them and why they did this and everything? Yes. I, I just 
want to know why. Because like I said, she would have gave them her whole car and walked home. Sure. And, you know, just, it, it just seems like a senseless, just careless end of a life. You know, here's right. your mom, 74 years old, should right. have been enjoying her golden years. And right. instead you, you plan a funeral for her. I know your family has been vocal. You've been out there trying to get answers and find out who did this. Um, right. What are you still hoping to find out? What would you want to say to people to get them to share some information, even if it's anonymous? Just please come forward, because if this was their mother, their sister, their father, their child, they would want somebody to speak. If you see something, say something. Because I know I would. I wouldn't worry about the next thing. I know that I, I would definitely speak. Yeah. For some Lose a life. I mean, you know, anytime you, you can help a family get through this, it, it'd be the right, right. thing to do. I'm, I'm exactly. curious if, if the person that did this, if they somehow heard this and they could hear your voice, what would you want to say to them directly? That you're a coward. I mean, you need to face charges for what you did, and hopefully, nothing like this ever happens to anybody else. It was senseless. It was very senseless. You took a mother, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother. So you just want them to do the right thing and, and turn themselves in and, and right. face justice? Right. Uh, you know, it, you, we mentioned it's been a year and a half since you lost your mom, though. How is the family doing overall? What does everything miss most about your mom? Um... Every day when she got off work at 1 o'clock, I would get my phone call at 105 every day. Every day. Because we would be on the phone all the time. My dad died of cancer four years ago. And ever since he died, she always want me around her. So every time I get off work, I go straight over to my mom. So you miss just not having her talk to you, getting that call, and, and getting yeah. to hear her voice every day. Yep. Oh. It's got to be very, very difficult. And then, as you mentioned, you you heard the the shots that took your mom's life. So that's that's got to be pretty pretty brutal for you to have to remember that every day. It is. It is. Oh. Well, I, I hope somehow that someone out there does the right thing that has information and, and comes forward and that yeah. helps to put the person that did this behind bars so they can face justice for yeah. what they've done. Hopefully you do get Definitely. justice. I, I want to thank you for coming on to discuss your, your mom's case. Uh, and we will spread the word out there that it's still unsolved. And, and hopefully people share yeah. this and get tips. And I thank you for having me. Thank you once again for joining me for this episode of The Murder of My Family. I'd like to thank Sonny Landon for writing and research assistance in this episode. We'll be back here soon with an all-new episode of The Murder of My Family and I hope you'll join me for it. But before you go, remember that every murder victim means something to somebody.